Hey everybody, welcome back to the Weekly Walk. This is your host, Joshua Ingram. It is Monday, July 12th, Year of Our Lord 2021. And this will be episode number uh, 42. So, um, I, w- I wasn't able to do a recording last week. Um, well, I probably could have fitted in, but... Uh, it was the 4th of July weekend. I'd been out in the woods camping. Um, I usually record these on Mondays. And um, if I don't get a chance to get it recorded, I don't have a, I, I really have a hard time fitting it in the rest of the week. And so I got home uh, Monday from the camping trip and just kind of um, wanted to relax a little bit. Wanted to unwind. And... Oh, excuse me. So I didn't really um, get around to doing it, but... Um, one of the thoughts that I want to talk about, um, was really cultivated during this trip. I think, um, I've started reading, uh, a a new book. It's actually a collection of books. It's, uh, the works of E.M. Bounds on prayer. And I've been thinking about doing, reading this book here for quite a while, uh, just because I I read an E.M. Bounds book on prayer, uh, maybe a year or two ago, and I was really impressed with it. It was it was really impactful. Um, it 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 um, pierced me. It 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 con- convicted me and and caused me a uh, to have a a greater desire to have a stronger prayer life, and that's a very enjoyable desire to have. Um, I I I desire to desire. Uh, more prayer, if that makes more sense, if that makes any sense. Uh, but I, I want to have a stronger prayer life. And the only thing that prevents it is is a lack of motivation, uh, which springs from a lack of desire. And so reading a book like that really just convicted me and, and, and spurred me on to have a deeper prayer life. And so as I looked ahead, um, as I was finishing up my last book, uh, just thinking about what I was going to read next... Oh, excuse me. Um, that Bounds book was really just kind of sticking out to me. That it's a, well, like I say, it's a collection of books. It's a six book collection. Um, I think each book is pretty short. You know, somewhere between a hundred and two hundred pages. Um, so it's it's it, all together. It's a, it's a big book, but each individual book is relatively short and. Um, they're all dealing with the issue of prayer and, and looking at prayer through different lenses and different angles. And uh, Bounds, as far as I know, is like the definitive authority on this. Like, it, And I guess I, I, I don't have room to speak on that because I haven't read a whole lot on prayer. But I've heard this book mentioned several times by a lot of people. It's It's been brought up um, by, by pastors and teachers. And um, so I was just really, really looking forward to getting into this book. And sure enough, it is a very uh, convicting, um, I don't know if convicting is the right word. It's a um, energizing, um, encouraging book. It's it's like, it's showing you this glory that you could have. And so it's, it's creating a desire to have that. It's creating a zeal to reach out for that glory. And so one of the things that he talks about kind of had me scratching my head thinking things through. 
Um, those of you who know me or, or, you know, have listened to the things I teach and, and say or follow me on Facebook or whatnot, you know that I'm a, a strong Calvinist. Um, I, I firmly believe in the sovereignty of God over all things, um, including and, and especially, or at least from a theological standpoint, especially um, in the realm of salvation, that God is in control. He chooses whom he chooses. He hardens whom he hardens. Um, he predestined those that would be chosen. He calls, he elects, he seals, he justifies, he redeems. Um, he does it all. The entire work is his. And um, his sovereignty extends to all things so that we can say all things work together for good to those who are called. Um, and, you know, and... and, and uh, I misquoted that verse, Romans 8, 28, all things work together for good to those who love God and are the called according to his purpose. So in order for all things to work together for good, uh, plus you have Proverbs that says the steps of a good man or the steps of a righteous man um, are ordered of the Lord. Uh, you know, this history is his story. Um, I think Pastor Piper once said that there's not one single solitary molecule in all the universe that is outside of his control. Everything moves and has its being in him. All things work according to his counsel and his purposes. Every single thing, uh, like clockwork, does exactly what it was designed to do. Um, and that includes our choices, the things we choose to do. Uh, God is sovereign over that and has, uh, you know, the, the impulses, the desires, the motives, um, the, everything is rooted in his wise and holy counsel and purpose. Um, so, so there's nothing that occurs that he did not design and purpose to occur. Um, so with that being kind of like the foundational idea of, of um, how I, I perceive God, how I relate to God, how I worship God, um, prayer um, becomes a bit of a conundrum um, as it ties in with that. Because often, and, and I think perhaps maybe this plays into my weak prayer life because I haven't figured out how to, to balance these two perspectives I'm going to talk about. But when you believe um, accurately the sovereignty of God, you know that, that your next step, your next moment, your next breath is planned by him. And so all desires that I have, everything that I want or everything that I, I need, everything that I crave, everything that I hope for, everything, um, everything that I bring to God in prayer, I know that he knows what is best for me. So if, if, if I'm praying like, like, for instance, as a single man for a spouse, um, ultimately I leave that prayer off by going, you know, nonetheless, Lord, you know what is best for me. And so, um, you know, if singleness is what is best, or, or put it on an, even a lower context, on, on a cold, you have a cold, and it's just making you miserable, and you're praying, Lord, Please, you know, take this cold away. Help me, help me to breathe right. Help take this fever away, these chills, these aches, these pains, whatever it is. But at the end of that, you, a man who believes in the sovereignty of God, um, says, "But nonetheless, Lord, you know what is best for me. You know, this cold 
could be strengthening my immune system, could be causing my white blood cells to do a certain thing, could be strengthening my body in some way, could be causing me to delay uh, a time in leaving the house or or a delay in some, you know, who knows? There, there, each and everything we do has a, has a ripple effect that, that, you know, every cause has a multitude of reactions. And so we don't know what the, it's impossible for us to know the effect that everything has, but God does. And so we entrust ourselves to him. And so while I may desire um, to be healthy or to be free of a cold or to have um, a car that runs well or to have um, the funds to pay my bills or to have a spouse, God knows a, 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 in, in an ultimate sense what is best for each of those situations. He knows whether or not I should be healed, whether or not I should be able to pay the fine or pay my bills, whether or not my car should run well, whether or not um, I should have a spouse. He knows uh, the desi- he's designed all things. And so I submit myself to his will. And that's, that's why I think at the end of the, the prayer, the Lord taught the disciples to pray. It ends, you know, nonetheless, your will be done. And, and uh, Jesus in the garden prayed that same way, you know, not my will, but your will. It's, it's so my, my prayer life is here, Lord, is where my heart is. Here, here's what I desire, but I don't know what's best for me. I don't know, uh, you know, I don't know how to make any decision at all and have it be the right one in, in an eternal ultimate sense. So my prayer is always, Lord, your will be done. You know, you do what you see is best. So that that's how I view the sovereignty of God in prayer. And like I say, I feel like maybe maybe it, it um, quenches the fervency of prayer, the desire of prayer, because it's like, um, I don't know how to explain it, but well, let me let me explain the other side of it. What I was reading in the E.M. Bounds book is talking about uh, a fervent, persistent prayer. You know, like like the widow that came and knocked on the judge's door, and just the judge tried to send her away, uh, but she persistently kept begging him for justice, and eventually he gave it to her. And so the parable is, you know, if, if this wicked judge would do this, how much more ought we to beg God and to plead with God? Um, or the, the prayer that says the fervent uh, prayer of the righteous availeth much. You know, fervency, zealous, or, um, you know, the, the ask, seek, and knock verse. And the knock implies a continual knocking to continually come to God. The, the kingdom of God is taken by violence. It's a persistent wrestling and pursuit um, there's just many, many verses that talk about this, this impassioned, persistent prayer life to, to come to the Lord in pleading. And, 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 and like even one thing I was, I was having a hard time dealing with is, uh, Bounds talks about, uh, and I've thought about this before as well, uh, how we can like basically not name it and claim it, but the promises of God are for us. And, 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 you know, the word of God, all of his promises are for us. And Jesus said, if we ask anything in his name, you know, and so the the righteous, holy uh, promises of God are ours. And so a man can plead with God and say, Lord, you said this, 
you know, this ought to be mine. Um, and, you know, we're talking about spiritual things, not, not prosperity nonsense. Talking about, you know, Lord, you said I would have victory. You said we're more than conquerors, um, or, you know, things like that. Um, so we, we bring those thoughts to God, and, and Bounds is talking about that persistent pleading, like the widow knocking on the judge's door, to just keep coming, and with zealousness, with, with, with fervency, Lord, please, you know, grant unto me this, you know, grant me this, Lord, your word says this, Lord, please give me this, and, and so, like, I was trying, I have a hard time balancing that, with the sovereign view of God, because ultimately, whether or not God gives that to me is already planned. He's already designed it, and he knows what's best. So why do I keep begging? You know, it's it's this hard thing. It's like you go before the king and you say, Lord, you know, I, I would like to be healed from this disease. Um, but I, I know that you know what is best. And so whatever you decide, Lord, I'm okay with. And like, that's the one prayer. The other prayer is, Lord, please deliver me from this disease. Please, Lord, deliver me. And, 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 you know, just that continual pleading. And so like, it, it's a hard thing for me to, to compute how to balance these two things. Cause on the one hand, it seems like it's, it's, it seems like it's a humble submission to the will of God to pray from that sovereign aspect to say, Lord, whatever you want, you know, and on the other hand, it seems like um, like a like a dissatisfaction, you know, like saying, "Lord, you know, I'm not happy with this. Please take it from me," rather than just submitting and saying, "Lord, whatever you want," you know. Um, but on the other hand, it there's the fervency, the the passion that belongs in a prayer life. Like I see that as well, and so. I don't know if this makes sense, but I'm just having a really hard time connecting the two, like connecting the humble submission to the will of God along with the fervent, persistent prayer life. Um, because because they seem to be um, juxtaposed to one another. They seem to be uh, not necessarily contradictory, but um, opposed. Like, like if I'm truly submitted to the will of God, if I'm truly yielding to his sovereign hand, um, wouldn't a persistent, fervent pleading um, be the opposite of that? Wouldn't it? Um, like, I, I don't know. But then you have to take into account that the Lord tells us to pray that way. So it's like, how do we balance this? Is it is it one of those? And I and I I'd greatly dislike it when people say, "Oh, it's it's a mysterious, you know, two hundred percent answer." Like, how can God be one and three? You know, um, He's both, and and we don't have to understand it. It's mysterious. I I dislike it a lot when people just chalk things up to mystery and move on. To me, that shows intellectual laziness. You're just unwilling to sit and think deeply and, and try to wrestle this out, try to figure it out. You might not necessarily be able to, but you're going to keep trying. That's To me, that's how you worship the Lord your God with all your mind. You know, to, to think through these, these seeming contradictions, these hard complexities of the scriptures, these, these difficult scenarios, these, these theological complexities. You don't just brush it off and say, eh, well, you know. 
sorry, my recording cut out there, so I'm going to try to pick up where I left off. I was talking about how um, just chalking things up to a mystery doesn't always, um, I, I don't like that approach. I feel like even if we can't come to a conclusion, it's still your duty to try to figure it out, to think it through, to wrestle it out in your mind. And so um, I'm in the, I'm, that's where I'm at with this. It's like, how, how do I balance this idea of um, submitting to God's will and saying, you know, here's my prayer request, Lord, um, but you have designed all things. You, you know the next step and, and you know what's best for me. And so I, I trust you and, and you do as you see fit and, and help me to um, be content with, with whatever you decide. Help me to be satisfied uh, with your providence and to be um, okay with wherever you lead me. Help me to be uh, joyous knowing uh, that you have made the best decisions in all things for me and that you're working all things together for my good. So how do I balance that with a fervent, persistent, repetitive pleading that says, um, Lord, you know, and, and I wish I could think of an analogy to put this into into, into some context, but um, let, let's... Um, just for the sake of discussion here, let's take the 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 fact that I'm single, and um, at times I I do desire a spouse. So so let's take that, and so my prayer is, you know, Lord, um, you know, please provide me with with the godly wife. A prudent wife is a gift from the Lord, and and so Lord, just please provide me with that that godly spouse and. You know, I have certain desires on my heart um, that I won't go into, but, you know, that the Lord knows that I, I would want in a spouse. And so, Lord, provide me with this this woman. And then at the end of that prayer, I would pray, uh, but um, you, are, you know what's best for me, Lord. You have designed my life. You know whether or not I should be single or whether or not I should have a spouse. Um, and so I, I submit myself to you, Lord, and help me. Help me to be content. Help me to be satisfied um, with with whatever your will is, Lord. Uh, nonetheless, your will be done. So, so that's the, the, the sovereign prayer. Now, the persistent prayer, the pleading prayer would be, Lord, you know, you said that it's not good for a man to be alone. And uh, you said that uh, where, where two... Uh, where a threefold cord is, you know, it's not easily broken or, or however that goes in Ecclesiastes. And you said it's not good for man to be alone. You said that um, uh, a man that desires a wife desires a good thing. And you said a prudent wife is a, is a gift from you, Lord, and you give good gifts to your children. Um, so, Lord, you know, why haven't you provided the wife and, 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 and please provide uh, the spouse that your word says, Lord, your word says that it's not good for a man to be alone. So, and, and then, so that would be that persistent prayer and to just fervently with great desire to come pray that over and over and over and over. But I have a hard time doing that because of the sovereign aspect, because of the, the submission to the will of the Lord to say, he knows what's best. I trust him. Um, I, I think you, you can get what I'm getting at here is it's, it's hard to balance these two in, in my mind. It's hard to, to, to see. And it might be one of those things that just says, well, you know, um, 
the Lord says to, to keep knocking. The Lord says to, like the widow with the judge, to keep asking. Um, the Lord says the fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Um, so I'm going to keep coming. Uh, but at the end, I'm also going to humbly submit to your will. Um, it just seems like the, the, the submission to the will of God um, seems to quench desire, which to me is where fervency comes from. Like, I don't have want of much, you know, or at least the wants that I have aren't strong desires. They aren't real cravings because I'm okay with whatever the Lord wants. You know, I was, I was explaining to a brother the other day how I, I don't, I'm not a man of ambition. I don't have goals and ambitions because I really don't care. I'm, 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 yes, I have things I want, but they're not strong enough wants to cause me um, to, to fight and claw after them because ultimately I'm okay with whatever the Lord has for me, you know. I'm, I'm submitted to his will. I'm submitted to knowing that he knows what's best and he's going to do as he sees fit. And I just want to walk in that way. I want to be content in that. Um, so it's it's like, how do you have the fervency and the zealousy of persistent prayer um, when your desires are quenched by a submission to the will of God? It's, you know, you're a starving orphan, uh, but you really, really trust um, you're, you're, I don't know what they call the head of an orphanage, the, the headmistress or the headmaster or whatever you trust them. And so it's like, please Lord feed me. And then you're like, but I trust you Lord and, and you will do what is right. Um, you give what you, you, you see fit and I submit to that. And it's like, uh, is that the right attitude to have? Or is it a please, Lord? I know you're good. I know you're you're you you feed your children. Please provide me with the food, Lord. Please, and I, I know you'll do what's right, Lord. And I'll, I I submit to your will. But please, it almost seems like you're saying it. It almost seems like a lack of trust um, to say to keep pleading, to keep coming. Um, but yet we're called to do it. We're called to persistently, fervently pray. I just I, so like I say, I have a really hard time balancing that. But, anyways, I, I think I've exhausted my point here, so I'm just gonna move on to the next topic here. Um, and uh, what I want to talk about is something else I was thinking about out at the campsite. Um, I was well, just to, to to back up and give you some some context here. I often look at nature, and I view nature as a um, a metaphor. Like all of nature, all of nature presents some sort of spiritual metaphor. What we see in physical reality tells us some sort of spiritual truth. And some examples that I often think about is like you look at the sun, the S-U-N, and, and how it provides us on earth here. It gives us light and warmth and nutrients and life. Um, it's, it's the source of life. And so that's a metaphor for the spiritual reality that the sun, the S-O-N, um, is our source of life. He gives us life and light and warmth and nutrients. He is, he is the, the, the center of our universe. He's the, 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 the provider of everything we need. 
And then you look at the moon, and I look at the moon as like a, a representation of the church. The moon has no light of its own. Uh, but in a dark time, in a dark world, it reflects the light of the sun uh, to the world. And so it is with the church. The spiritual reality is that the sun, the S-O-N, uh, we don't have any light of ourselves. We don't, we're, we're not, there's nothing good in us. We have no goodness. We are the moon. We're dark. This, but we reflect the light of the sun to this dark world, uh, the church as a whole. And then the stars individually are distant lights. And I was thinking about how they're an analogy of each individual believer. And like, and I was thinking about how unfortunate it is that we're so spread out and disconnected. Like, the, think about the light source that could exist if we'd all come together. Um, and then I was thinking about the black spaces in between the stars uh, being the mass of humanity. As many stars as there is, there's a lot more black space. And so I was thinking about the lost world being that black space. But you just have all these analogies. And of course, the wind um, how it moves mysteriously, it starts and stops uh, with no real reason. It just seems like, why does the wind stop where it stops? Why does it go where it goes? Why does it blow hard sometimes and then blow soft sometimes? And it, and that's like the Spirit, the Spirit of God moves upon people as He wills, you know, and, and at, at different various measures and, and times. And so um, all in, in the trees, I often think about how the trees look like they're lifting up their arms in praise to God and, um, you know, just all, all these different things. And so I was sitting at the campfire and I was looking at the moths, um, in, in the middle of the night, just diving into the fire, committing suicide. And I was like, what insanity, you know, what are they thinking? You know, they just, that why are they drawn to that light irresistibly like that? Why do they keep c killing themselves? I would see not just moths, but June bugs that would approach the flames and, and, and torch their wings and they would fall uh, to the side in the dirt. And then they'd just be struggling. They could no longer fly, but they're, they're pulling themselves towards the flame, like struggling to just bounce themselves up there, get a little bit of a, uh, a lift. You know, their wings were, were kind of sort of working and they would flutter and eventually make their way into the fire and kill themselves. And I was like, what kind of insanity is this? You know, <laughs> so I was looking at this and um, I was thinking to myself, what, what is the analogy being told here? What's the spiritual reality being conveyed by this? And uh, just it was just kind of a, a fleeting thought, and I went about uh, the rest of my night. A couple days later, I'm sitting at home, and I'm thinking about the struggle with sin. And it occurred to me that sin is like the flame, and we in our flesh are like the moths. We're, we know that it's suicide. We know there's death there. But yet, we are irresistibly drawn to our sin. We are continually, the flesh craves it and goes after it. Even when it's injured, it still struggles and fights to get to it. Uh, the flesh, it, like the moth drawn to the flame, it just keeps going for that fire of sin. And um, it's, 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 it's perplexing, it's... it's um, it's discouraging. I mean, thank God we've been given victory that we can fight, that we can fight the the, the things of the flesh, uh, which is a point that I'm going to bring up here next. But I was just, you know, the analogies in nature and, uh, you know, everything you look at is going to have, the, you'll find it everywhere. 
I think it was Jonathan Edwards that, uh, you know, the genius of scriptures that he would spend so much time in the word, but he would also sit and study nature, study insects and, and, and just, um, you know, we're told in the Proverbs to go look at the ant, you know, and, and, uh, there's the spider that's mentioned in the Proverbs and, uh, just all of nature, you know, you can go, how many analogies did the Lord use with nature, the fig tree and, and the sower of seeds and, uh, the, the root with the branches and just all the different analogies. And so when, when you go and you sit in nature and you just observe, listening to the birds chirp, uh, watching the birds fly, um, looking at the insects, the, looking at the metamorphosis of a butterfly, um, uh, just, you know, looking, looking at, um, uh, a, a fish swimming through the water. You're going to find spiritual analogies in all of nature. You're going to find spiritual realities in all of these examples, these physical examples, the storm clouds and, and uh, the seasons. And just everything about it is going to provide some sort of spiritual reality in it. You know, to the spiritual man, all things are spiritual, I guess. You know, as, as we... Uh, as we're born again, the Holy Spirit is constantly teaching us through all mediums, through everything we observe, through all our senses. The Spirit is ministering and teaching, but but there's an abundance of uh, teachable moments in nature. And um, those moss that I was looking at just provided one in regards to sin. And so then in regards to sin, what I was thinking about is just the, the persistent struggle you know, it's, um, I, I don't know if I'm the only one. I don't think I'm the only one, but there are certain persistent sins that I just can't seem to get free from, you know, no matter what that, like some sins have dwelt for years and years and years. And it's like, why do I keep going down this path? Why do I keep acting this way or thinking this way or saying th these things? You know, whatever it is, people have their persistent sins, I assume. Some people might struggle with greed or covetousness. Some people might struggle with pride or uh, vanity and looks. Or some people might um, struggle with outbursts of anger and, 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 and um, uh, just unkind words. And some people might struggle with perverse language. Um, or lust of the eyes or, uh, just whatever it is, you know, I, I feel like everybody's got some sort of persistent sin that they struggle with. At least I, I hope it's that way. It'd be pretty discouraging to find out that I'm the only one. Um, but you know, this struggle with the sin all the time. And I was thinking about how, you know, the Lord said that we have not yet resisted unto blood, you know? When when we wrestle against sin, when we, you know, the spirit lusteth against the flesh and, and the flesh lusteth against the spirit so that we cannot do the things that we want to do. And, and Paul talked about uh, seeing two laws in himself, you know, uh, wanting to do what is right, but unable to do it and, and not wanting to do what is wrong, but unable to stop and saying, oh, wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me? You know, I thank God for Jesus Christ. And, and thinking about how we're more than conquerors and we've been given the victory. And so combining all these different scriptural thoughts, 
I was thinking about the battle with sin, the battle with this persistent sin. The sin is a giant. The flesh comes in as a monstrous beast, huge and violent and, and incredibly strong and vicious and relentless. And he comes in to fight and he slays us. And he puts us down to the ground and holds us down like like a beast stepping on your head. You know, sin takes control in that way. But we're called upon to fight, to struggle against it. And so I was thinking like often my fight, um, sadly, is so pathetic and weak. You know, the Lord fought to the shedding of blood till he dripped blood. He resisted. He says, and he says, we haven't resisted to, the, to blood yet. And I was thinking we don't even come close or at least I don't. I was thinking that here comes this beast and I give like two little weak slaps. I kind of just flap my arms out at him like, uh, and then I just kind of lay down. There's no, there's no strength. There's no, um, viciousness. There's no, um, vigor. There's no, you know, what, whatever it is, there, there's no, there's no, um, zealousness in my 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 fighting it's a weak slap and then i just lay down and and let sin have its way with me and that's tragic and i was thinking even well here's where my thoughts were going we're called upon to fight even though this beast is like a like a fight it, it's the analogy is like fighting a grizzly bear you know it's bigger it's stronger it's more vicious it has claws it has teeth it's going to destroy you. It's going to win. But we're told, we're encouraged. Don't worry. You're going to conquer. You are going to win. So fight with everything that you have. Yes, it's going to destroy you. Yes, it's going to claw at you. Yes, it's going to maul you and make a mess of you. But uh, we have been given the victory. You can keep fighting. You can, you know, go into it and resist with everything you have. Swing at that bear with all your might. Bite and claw and struggle. Don't just lay down. And and even if it does get the victory, at least you put up that huge fight. And each and every time that sin does get the victory, because of the mercy of God, because of the grace of God, he, he stands us back up and puts us back into the fight again. And so I think about my weak little slaps and attempts and then I fall down and the Lord's got to come and pick me up and put me back onto the battlefield. And then I pathetically fight again and fall down. And it's like, why not just fight as hard as I can? Yes, I might, I'm still probably going to get cast down and, and stepped on and, and mauled, uh, but the Lord is going to strengthen me and pick me up. We're guaranteed the victory. So no matter what, in the end we win, you might as well fight with everything you have. You might as well swing with all your strength and might. You might as well bite and claw and scratch and resist. Um, and, and as we grow in the faith, you know, as we mature, it's like a child getting stronger and bigger. We go from being babes in Christ to being toddlers to being preteens to being teenagers to being adults to 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 being samsons you know we, we and then beyond samson we have the the spirit of christ in us so we can become christ-like in our in our fighting and our victories as we grow uh because of him in us because of the spirit in us uh so that beast you know will eventually be held down and we will be standing on its head um, and then, yeah, it's going to get up and come back and fight. This fight never ends. It's an, it's an, it's a constant forever battle.
that that never ends until the day we die, and the flesh is that beast is finally laid in the ground, um, and then the spirit goes to be with the Lord, and so we'll ever be with Him. But but the point is is that we can resist. We can you know if if if, if this battle's going to keep happening, and and you're guaranteed life the lord is guaranteeing to keep you in the fight to keep picking you up and to make you more than a conqueror then why not fight with everything you've got why not show this beast um uh, give it a, a nice battle why not fight it tooth and nail rather than just uh succumbing and laying down um and then you know ironically um in quotations as soon as i started thinking these thoughts uh, here came temptation, here came the battle, and I feel like instead of just giving these weak, effeminate little slaps and laying down, I swung once or twice, you know, I, I gave a couple punches, and then I fell and I got back up, and then I thought, man, I gotta fight again, and then, you know, a little one-two punch again, and it's like, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraging myself in that, because it's, it's discouraging to lose the battle, it's discouraging to continually sin, um, I hate my sin, you know, my sin is destructive and, 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 and dark and gross and, and evil, you know, and I don't want it. Um, but it keeps coming. And so I, I get, you know, I'm, I'm being encouraged by fighting a little bit harder each time and, and thinking to myself, man, I got to fight tooth and nail. I got to struggle against it to the resisting of blood. Um, <clears throat> So, um, with that said, I, I had one more thought here. Um, I can't remember exactly what I was thinking. Um, it was during a period of self-examination, just trying to, trying to get down to the inner root of me, like looking at the innermost being, you know, getting past all, all the, like trying to examine yourself is difficult because there's layer upon layer upon layer. Like a person might think, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, a, per, a person might think to themselves, I'm an angry person, you know, but then you look beneath that anger and there's something else. Anger isn't the, isn't the root. There's something else there, whether it's fear or whatever, but that ain't the root either. Below fear, there's something else, whether it's low self-esteem or, or self-image or, or, um, uh, desire to please people or whatever it is. And then that's not the root. There's something below that as well. And so there's, there's all these different layers of heart. And so through that self-examination, I was trying to find like, who, who am I really at my core? Like examining myself saying, it, is this do, you know, cause it all, always comes back to, um, yourself and examining to see if you're in the faith, like, you know, in my in my innermost core being, do I belong to Christ, or am I just deceiving myself? You know, and so I think that's where my thoughts were going as I was examining, um, trying trying to get to the heart of who I am. And I was like, man, if I could, if there, if I, I don't know why I thought if I could find three characteristics, what are three things that define me on my innermost being? And the first thing that came to mind is actually really hard to define. Um, like I was thinking about contention, but it's not, I'm not, not contentious. It's in my innermost being, there's a struggle. There's, there is a fight. There's, there's, 
a fight against the darkness. There's a fight against the the flesh, you know, the evil desires that lurk within. There's a struggle against those things. So I was trying to define that in a word. Like, what is a word? And I don't know, I was thinking contentious or or struggle or um yeah, just I don't know what word you would 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 put there. It's it's a it's a battlefield. It's um you know, when it, when you look within yourself, you see that that light, the light that Christ has put there, the light that comes when you're born again. And it is it is fighting against the flesh. It is fighting against the darkness. It's surrounded on all sides. Uh this little candlelight, you know, that flickers um, but is continually flamed and, and kept aglow by the Holy Spirit. Praise God for that, because without that, it would go out almost instantly. Um, but it's it's struggling against the dark. And and so like that that's the thing that I see within myself is this struggle. This awareness of the dark, uh, an awareness to be free of the dark, and 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 a constant um looking for an out, looking, looking for a way to, to put the darkness down. Um, so I, I don't really know how to, uh, describe that. You know, I don't know what word I could describe that as. Um, the other thing that really rests, um, in my innermost being is, is contentment, like, um, an, an anxiety free peace, um, a satisfaction, um, which again it ties back to my first point about lack of desire. It's like, you know, I'm content, I am satisfied in my innermost being. Now that doesn't always show because, like I say, there's layers. A layer above that, there might be a desire to have something or to want something or to be something, and and above that, there might be you know that might show itself in some form of anxiety or fear or aggression or or whatever. But deep, deep down at that inner core, there is a peace that, that passes all understanding. It's a contentment that just says, you know, I'm, I'm his. I'm going to heaven when I die. I'm okay with whatever. You know, I am satisfied. Um, I am I'm completely uh, content and okay. I know I belong to him. I know that he's good and loving and trusting and all wise and all, all powerful and 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 he holds all things in his hands and he's working all things for my good and so I have no need to worry about anything at all everything is okay every single aspect of life including my failures and my sins and my struggles and my regrets and and all these things that lurk on the surface above that but below that, there's a contentment, um, and and so like that. That's when I look in the innermost being. That's what I see. I see the struggle, and but I also I, I see the contentment, like the core contentment and satisfaction. The struggle against the darkness, but even in that, there's contentment. There's there's a knowing that He wins in the end, that that Christ has the victory. And then uh, my third thing is um, desirous is is the word I was thinking. And, and not like, let me explain that word. Because again, it's something that I have a hard time coming up with a word for. Uh, that seems to be the closest to it. Um, 
And if I had to put it into words, it's a desire to be um, used by God. Like, it's a desire to be useful. A desire to, to, to do something for Him. To leave a mark on this world for the kingdom. You know, to not not for name recognition, not for selfish means, but just to be useful to, so that you can hear, well done, uh, good and faithful servant on the day that you enter the kingdom, you know, to know that that you used whatever gifts and talents um, he gave you to 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 influence, to 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 guide, to direct others to his light, to magnify his name, to 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 bring glory to him. Um, Yeah, so so uh, you know a desire to be used by him, and then included in that is that you know the desire to be sanctified and holy and righteous and um, loving and good and kind and um, yeah. So, anyways, um, those were the thoughts that I had this week or the last two weeks, I guess. Um, and I'll, I'll just wrap up there. Uh, that first half got cut off in the middle of it, so this will be a, a shorter message here. But I think I got everything in that I wanted to get in. But um, as always, I, I truly appreciate you guys listening. Um, I love you, and Lord willing, we'll talk to you next time.